welcome back to this episode of the Shooting Bricks podcast. And guys, it was a it was a great night, obviously. But before we get into all of that, as always, I'm Jerry Castillo, and I'm joined by. Good morning, y'all. It's Daniel Wen. Uh, unfortunately, Relly Rel could not join us, but we uh, we just want to say uh, we miss him. We miss you, Jarrell. Yeah, whatever you may be doing, we miss you. But in spirit, it's your boy, Relly Rel, Jarrell Sales. And Daniel, what a game. What a game for. That was... it. I think that was the closest game we've had these playoffs, right? That was that was possibly the most intense game we've had yet in this series. It was both teams were practically even throughout. Um, I would say that Golden State's flaws, maybe because I was rooting for them, but they stuck out more to me. But it was incredible what happened in the and practically in the last seconds, last minutes of the fourth quarter. That's when the, the game completely flipped on Golden State's head. Right. And speaking of the fourth quarter, let's start with that. The, the job that Curry did in the fourth quarter shouldn't be understated. He, he willed his team to win. He was that guy. He was Michael Jordan for a quarter. And, you know, we, we don't talk about it. People don't talk about it enough. The fact that he scored basically what? 10 points in the last nine minutes. That's insane. Like he basically, he wasn't getting any contributions. Obviously Clay Thompson pitched him with eight, but throughout the game, it was on him. But in the fourth quarter, he shined. What about that game or that quarter, I guess stood out too, at least in terms of Curry, the Warriors, Clay Thompson, whatever. You know, the freaky thing is at the start of the fourth quarter, I thought the Warriors were, go- were going to lose. They were, they were, they came off at the start of the quarter. They like, what the hell was going on? They were frenetic. They were sloppy with the ball. It, it was, they were incre- increasingly turnover prone. It was just, it was just bad basketball. It was a mistake by Steve Kerr personally to leave him out at the start of the quarter. As you remember, Curry didn't come in until like nine or eight minutes uh, left in it. So, um, what Curry did in the fourth quarter, especially in the particularly in the last five minutes, was NBA Finals MVP like worthy. That was just like, like that was when Curry finally hangs up his sneakers in his locker room. That is one of those performances we're going to talk about about you know some of the most defining moments of his career. That was just that was legendary stuff. What happened last night, and you know you, you know with about a minute to go, that three pointer to put them up by six with a hand in his face that that's potentially an iconic shot. It's an iconic shot. Yeah. Just like how Kyrie had his game seven shot this, if the Warriors win this series, that could be Steph's. It's weird to say Steph's Kyrie moment, but that that's what it feels like because. And he fit. He was in this. Curry was in the same spot as Kyrie similar spot when he, yeah. When he hit that shot that sank the Warriors. Yes. Anyways, not not belaboring on the past. Let's talk about the present. And he, Curry finished with 43, shooting 14 of 26 from the field and 17 of 14 from three. That is that is something that we just won't see. And Curry, I, I was reading the stat um, on Stat News or something like that. And Curry joins LeBron. LeBron and MJ as the oldest players with 40 points in a finals game. And he's the only player in finals history to have 40 points, 10 rebounds and seven assists. He's the first player to do that. So I don't think he's just something else. A lot of people are like, you know, bagging on him for being who he is, but we should just accept that this is Curry and enjoy him while 
while we can, because he's going to be playing for six more years. And then after that, we're going to see a generational talent, Hall of Famer, go into the, the record books, and that's it. We'll never see anyone like him. I mean, I have my, I have my personal gripes with Stephen Curry. He, but I cannot deny the fact that he's a phenomenal player. And what we just witnessed last night, that was traditional greatness as a whole. So as fans, we should appreciate it because we don't know what happens next. We don't know what player comes afterwards. You know, for all we know, we could be missing the three-point ball in 10 years, wishing we can revert, revert back to this current style. So as fans, we should be grateful for what we're seeing. And basically, Stephen Curry knew that the Warriors had to win last night because if they didn't, the series practically is over in six. Boston wins this win, wins the series in six. But now with the Warriors winning, there's a good chance now that the Warriors are going to win this in six or seven. Yeah, and I, I'm actually going to go a step further. If the Celtics would have won last night, it would have been a game, It would have been five, done. Hmm. Because the, if if the Warriors didn't play the way that they played, they would have been so demoralized heading back to the San Francisco. Like, yes, it is San Francisco, but this was your best shot to to basically win. And if they like, if they came out flat and lost, I think I think this would have been done at five, quite honestly. Hmm. But yeah, I'm I'm glad that they won, obviously. But yeah, go ahead. It I I kind of get why you said that. I say I said this series would have been would have been over in six because that Boston crowd was palpable. If you if you watch that game, the intensity. Like Warriors fans are pretty good fans, but like they are they are not intense like those Celtics fans. What in what we saw in games three and four, like that yeah. that Celtics fans that fan base was completely involved last night. Right and. Speaking of getting involved, what do you think about Andrew Wiggins? Because he had 17 points and 16 rebounds, a lot of those coming off the offensive end, which was just, it was like a different animal watching him, right? Because the first first few games of the series, he looked, you know, sometimes he'll be on, then sometimes he'll be off. And we discussed this, that sometimes he'll be like 40%, other times he'll be 100%, and then he'll find that weird middle ground of about 60 and just kind of stay there. But it seemed like to um, last night he was basically everywhere. Like I said, 16 boards. And that's, I think that's his career high. And he's the first player in, wait, he's the second player, I think. No, scratch that. He's the first player since Giannis to have 15 points and plus 15 rebounds. That's crazy. I mean, for Andrew Wiggins, I don't think we've ever thought about considering Andrew Wiggins and Giannis being in the same pantheon of accomplishments but here we are i guess so thoughts on andrew wiggins thoughts on clay thompson or the Warriors as a whole practically andrew wiggins was the second most important player last night the the rebounds don't like you know they don't really surprise me what what really struck out to me was the warriors obviously again they were struggling from a rebounding point throughout the whole game but it was until the fourth quarter all of a sudden andrew wiggins keeps them alive in this game the the amount of offensive rebounds i counted on my on a you know on my hand was incredible he was literally getting all these missed shots and just finding ways to tip him in like it's because of him Stephen curry it kind of helped him curry just launch off wiggins andrew wiggins had a pivotal moment last night he kept the warriors alive when they desperately needed the most right yeah the uh, the warriors out rebounded the celtics 55 42 so it goes to show you that rebounding does actually mean mean things. Uh, the Warriors outscored the Celtics in second chance points, 
points in the paint, which it, which has been a talking factor throughout this the series. Warriors won 38-32. And I'm just curious. I don't know if you were if you were privy to the fact that in certain possessions in the fourth quarter, Steve Kerr would switch out Draymond for an offensive player. And then when it's a defensive player, a dead ball, he's switching back in. I think it happened with Otto Porter and then it happened with Jordan Poole. And then that's just kind of how his rotation is in the fourth quarter, because we know Draymond at this point, he's a liability on offense. At least he can give you something on defense, but on offense, he's a no-go. So what did you think about that? As a coach, knowing how Draymond is struggling and practically in my opinion, he was pretty useless last night. That was, that was like, that was one of the, you know, that was the skunk of the warriors Yeah. and looking back. So if from a coaching perspective, that was honestly the smartest move because like, of course you would do that. If, if you know a player is struggling offensively and in, in a game in a high pressure situation like this, you're going to do whatever it takes is to win, no matter how crazy it seems. So what Steve Kerr did wasn't it was kind of hectic, but it was completely understandable. So like, I don't blame Kerr for anything he did. Right. And I, I honestly would agree with you because this is, you have three, you have two games. You have at least two games left and at most three games, just try whatever works. And I think for this situation, it worked because Draymond, according to StatMuse, he has more fouls than points. He has 18 fouls and 17 points. So what can you do at this point, right? Just try anything. Honestly, there were a couple of months when Draymond shot the ball. I was like, I, I couldn't really do anything but cringe because I knew it wasn't going in. That There was one three-pointer he, he attempted around near halftime. It's like, oh, f- he's <laughs> that's going to miss. It's like, it's a, it's like you, you just know. It's like, this is bad. He's shooting bricks, man. He's shooting bricks. But, you know, two points, nine rebounds, eight assists, three fouls, Four steals, I guess, and two turnovers. So a typical Draymond Green line, but it is what it is. Thankfully, his uh, his presence wasn't uh, completely detrimental to the Warriors. But what about the Boston Celtics? Because, you know, Jason Tatum, he had 23. Jalen Brown had 21. Marcus Smart had 18. And Derek White, again, Derek White with 16 off the bench. Thoughts on them? Derek White is probably one, probably one of the more underrated players on this Boston team. Overall, the Celtics did not play bad. What happened last night in the fourth quarter honestly came down to just experience. You could tell they're, they're, them being a young team kind of, you know, we kind of saw that in full motion last night. That's what honestly happened. Other than that, Boston played the best they could. They could. It's just, you just got to do better in the last five minutes of the game. That's just what happened. Jalen Brown coming off a huge game three performance. What the Warriors did right was they slowed him down in the first quarter, and that's right. They did good on them. But Jalen Brown had a had a nice game, but he could have been more consistent, especially in the first quarter. Jason Tatum, like you know, like all the pundits have been saying, if the Celtics are gonna win the series, he needs that signature game. And honestly, he's had good performances, but there's no signature signature game yet, and that needs to happen. I think. It's weird to say, but his signature game was game one when he had when he had all those assists. And we know Jason Tatum as a scorer. We never known him as a facilitator. And I think that's, you know, looking at it objectively, that needs to flip. He needs to be a scorer. I, like if Kirk can go off for 43, Jason Tatum can easily go off for 35. 
I'm not I'm not saying it should happen this series. I'm just saying it should happen in the future. You know, like that's who that's what we expect from Jason Tatum. And we don't expect three points in the fourth quarter from a guy like him. You see, I don't know if game one was that signature game, but I get what you, why you're saying that. It's just when I say signature game, like we need like a 45, 50 point like game performance. Like we saw from Stephen Curry. We need we need clutch shots. And in my opinion, that that honestly hasn't exactly happened yet. So until it happens in my in my eye test, like I can't give it to him. So I mean, the thing is, there's still, and at least in my opinion, there's still three games left. So like he he Jason Tatum can still can still give us that signature game. We've been all been kind of been hunting for. Right. And as great as Jalen Brown is, there's no way that he should be out shooting Jason Tatum, especially yeah. in the fourth quarter. Like, uh, no offense to to Jay, to uh, Jalen Brown, but that's just my two cents. Like, you know, Jalen Brown is the second option for a reason, and Jason Tatum's he's the face of the franchise. So if anyone should be taking the load, it's it's him. Tatum should be the one scoring all the crucial points in the, in the second half because once again, he's the face of this Boston franchise. And Jalen Brown's meant to be Robin, so let yeah. him be Robin. Do you think that it's maybe Jason Tatum kind of shying away from the pressure a little bit because the grant the biggest stage of them all, and then he's kind of like, I wouldn't say wilting, but he is seeming. It looks like he's more passive, especially in the fourth quarter. He's letting he's deferring more to the others when it's his time to shine. Do you think that's kind of like something going on? I absolutely think it's kind of is just it's just an experience thing. Remember, Jason Tatum is what he's barely in his mid twenties. And this is his yeah. this is his first NBA Finals ever. Like Michael Jordan didn't even make his first Finals until he was like twenty nine. So, like the like the pressure NBA players since they're coming in so young these days is is immense. And like it's just like it's just not realistic to expect this like the performances we need from a guy this young, right? And you gotta remember LeBron is kind of the exception. And even in his first finals appearance, he crumbled against, you know, a very much vastly more experienced Spurs team. So we're kind of seeing the same situation here. So it's not surprising that he is acting more passive here. I think, if anything, he kind of seems a little bit rattled by all the pressure and the attention that's like surrounding him. Yeah. And it's also good to note that for all the things that the Celtics haven't done in the fourth quarter, at least in this game, you know, you got to give props to the Warriors defense because they held them to 33% shooting from the field, almost 31% from three. And they just, like you said, the experience, they just knew like, okay, this is our time. We were down to one in 2015 against the Cavaliers. We've done this before. It'll be fine. And I think that's something that really, you know, played to their strengths. And, you know, you talk about experience and we've, we know the experience of the third quarter. So Again, the third quarter is the Warriors' quarter, but anything stand out to you? It was a very typical Warriors third quarter. What kind of stood out to me? Well, it was kind of it was kind of a close game. Was that even though the Warriors, I'm going to get props to the Boston Celtics here. Even though the Warriors clearly stepped it up, the Boston Celtics clearly did not seem rattled by the third quarter. It's it's kind of again, I'm giving props to Ma Udoka. I think he's one of the best coaches in the game as of, as of this moment. Is is a, is that Boston's? You know, stay they stay cool and they stay calm and collected, and they they hung in there. So by the time the fourth quarter came, 
the game was still very much anyone else's to lose. Yeah, because I think, correct me if I'm wrong, but like going into the third quarter, I think it was like Warriors lead by three or something, like fewer yeah. than three points, right? Mm-hmm. It was yeah. the, the lead wasn't they didn't it didn't really cross the five point mark until around the last five minutes of the fourth quarter. And that's when I kind of noticed Boston kind of emotionally waved the white flag. Yeah. And, you know, Ime Yudoka, he's obviously this is the biggest stage and is, this is the most important game. So it makes sense that he's only rolling out nine or eight players, excuse me. And while the Warriors are rolling out nine, right? Andre Godal didn't even play yesterday, last night. And Nemanja Bialica, he had some solid moments, to be honest. Like, yeah, he looked lost, but in terms of just being a pest, I think that works because I think it was um, either Jalen Brown or Jason Tatum, one of the two. He actually got a steal off of that. And as a Warrior fan, you don't expect it much from Nemanja Bialica on the de- defensive end because he makes his money on the three. But that's still a good sign that if you are throwing some name out there, like I personally would have chosen Kaminga or, you know, Juan Toscano Anderson to just be that defensive presence. But, you know, Nemanja Bielitsa, that's still a good choice. I don't know if anything stood out to you about that or just he's just another dude on the wall. I mean, that didn't strike out to me that much. But what did strike out to me from a small point was Kayvon Looney. Kayvon Looney found a way to keep he's been the only positive for the Warriors in the paint so far. And he found a way to, he, along with Wiggins to keep the Warriors in the game. So that props to him on that. Right. And just, um, just anything else before we wrap things up? Um, what a game last night, honestly, is just, I think the Warriors are going to come back rejuvenated back at home. I think they're going to, if anything, I see a 15 point, 10 to 15 point victory on Monday night. So I think the Warriors are going to go up three, two, but I think Boston's going to return to favor when they, when they win in Boston for game six. So we're, we're going to game seven, we're going to game seven. And I think the Warriors are going to prevail. Right. All right. Well, I'm going to say the Warriors win the next two, then the series will be over, but really quickly shout out to the Warriors for winning a road game in 27 consecutive playoff of, Winning 27 consecutive, uh, winning a road game in 27 consecutive playoff series. What a mouthful. And Curry, Dre, Clay have tied the Spurs big three for the most NBA Finals victories with 19. But with all that being said, make sure to subscribe to the Shooting Bricks podcast and leave a review on your platform of choice. It really helps us out. Lastly, make sure to follow us on at Podcast Bricks on Twitter at Shooting Bricks Podcast on Instagram and at The Shooting Bricks Podcast on YouTube for all the news and the video of this episode of The Shooting Bricks Podcast. As always, I'm Jerry Castillo. I'm Daniel Huen, and everyone have a great weekend. And somewhere in the uh, somewhere in the world, it's your boy, Rally Rail, Jarrell Sales. And we will see you guys next time.